You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Movie Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. And today on the show, we're going to try to answer a question that I get quite a bit. And to be honest with you, really can't answer on my own. And, and that question regards USFL players who could land in the NFL in training camps later this summer, especially USFL players who might be able to compete for jobs with your New York Giants. And uh, the, the one person I know who knows the USFL better than anyone is Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan and CBS Sports. And, and Emery joins us now to to talk a little usfl how are you em i'm doing fine ed is always a pleasure to talk ball with you here uh with giants nation i know they're chomping at the bit to get ready for the upcoming season how's the summer going for you it's going good man you know usfl just wrapped up um you know so that means my usfl tv show just wrapped up so i'm i'm in this period now where i'm prepping for both college football and the nfl season Oh, there you go. I, I, I'm in this period where I've got three weeks left to do something about my uh, about my miserable golf handicap, Em. <laughs> I, can, I can't go with you with golf, uh, but I've been you know, doing my workouts, trying to get ready for suit season. You know what I mean? Oh, there you go. I, I you know, you I, 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 I haven't asked you in a while, but how many suits do you own these days? Bro, it's it's. Like a real answer would be over a hundred. <laughs> There's always new colors out there, Ed. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I probably own three. <laughs> the, the 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 serious question, M. The serious question is how many of those I still fit in. Yeah, that's all. You know what? <laughs> that's why. Listen, you laughing, but that's why. I've been working out like I've been like not working out with weights like I usually have been. But when you fit in the suit a certain way, you like the fit. You got to maintain that body <laughs> structure. So it's been I have been able to pick out on food. I have to be cognizant of what I eat and how often I go walk. I do four miles a day because I got to stay because once you get them tailored, it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Best dressed, best dressed man I know, Emery Hunt. Em, let's. Uh, Let's talk a little USFL. The season's wrapped up for the USFL. And uh, I'm curious, 
you know, you probably watched more USFL football than, than anybody that I know. You probably know the league better than anybody that I know. How would you describe the level of play in the, in the first season in, in a restarted USFL? You know, and it, it was great football to watch. You know, it's, I would, let's say, I would um, say it's probably on par with competitive preseason football. You know, I would say maybe the fourth preseason game, but now you say the third or maybe even, you know, the second preseason game where it's competitive and you see a lot of young guys or guys that's trying to make the roster. It was like that, but for the full season. And, you know, I covered it exclusively. Like I said, I had a USFL TV show that aired Saturday and Sundays. Um, so really diving into the league, I thought it was highly competitive because, you know, we see these guys, let's say on the back end of NFL rosters, and you don't really see them get an opportunity to get extended reps. Well, now they have a full league of extended reps and opportunities. So you get, and I've, I've tweeted this out. I want to say maybe a few years ago that, um, you know, when you have guys that are stepping in for someone that's injured. So let's say if you are, you know, a backup quarterback and Daniel Jones is your starter and you get thrown in if he gets hurt. Right. And he doesn't play well. Well, people say, well, that's why he's a backup. Well, you know, this is first time being thrown in, but if you give this guy practice with the, with the starters, practice going into a game plan live reps out there on the field and into the game as he plays more and as he goes through more of that process you'll see his play elevate to what we saw from that player in college and that's what a league like this does and that's how valuable it is so we're seeing guys let's say like a case cookus who's an outstanding quarterback that was on the giants roster we're seeing him finally be able to play ball and when he was able to play extended ball he looked like the guy we saw at Northern Arizona that won the Walter Payton Award, which is the FCS equivalent to the Heisman Trophy. So I love it for that aspect, and it's going to give an opportunity to a lot of guys coming out of college. Yeah, before we get into some names, Em, I was thinking about this. We know what the NFL offseason routine is, and you're talking about you know you're talking about end of the roster guys. You're talking about guys competing for practice squad berths, things like that. Do you think that the fact that these guys spent the spring playing real football, you know, in pads, playing games, you know, hitting guys, you know, going through actual game play might give some of these guys, you know, who, who get an opportunity might give them a leg up because they're, they're in game shape, they're game ready, they're, they're used to the hitting um, you know, things like that over some of these guys that have been in shorts and T-shirts all spring. Absolutely, man. I think that's a big uh, reason why, you know, guys wanted to play in the league and also because guys just want to play ball. But to your point, when you think about, you know, an undrafted rookie free agent, right, that's coming in, um, trying to make the team, make an impact, uh, especially at a position where he hadn't had pads on all offseason, you know, in the NFL, mm -hmm. Let's talk about the offensive line. You got a guy that just played 10 weeks of football against pro competition. You got to see him, you know, his highs and lows. You could project him better than an undrafted rookie offensive lineman. Or if you know someone that you may need a pinch hit for, or, you know, you may need someone to step in as a returner, or, well, you know, someone that just was able to show he can return kicks. Um, so I feel like that is where, you know, it, it, it helps a, a, 
their chances to make the roster. But on the flip side, you do have 10 games of physical pro play to where now you're going to need some time to, to rejuvenate or replenish that energy. Cause you may get a guy that was, you know, he played all 10 weeks, but he was probably banged up by week five and kind of gutted it through. So his opportunities won't be as successful as someone that made it through healthy, but healthy we know is a relative term when we're talking about football. Sure. So let's, uh, so let's get into some names and let's, you know, you know what the, you know, the giants roster, you know, the, the strengths and weaknesses and any areas where, you know, where the giants might be, you know, still looking to, to supplement, you know, some of the talent on the roster, who are some guys that you could see, uh, you know, maybe showing up in, in Giants training camp, guys that, you know, guys that, that might help the Giants at positions of need, maybe in the defensive backfield, maybe the defensive line, um, you know, maybe competing for a running back job, um, you know, uh, you know, pr- those are the ones that, that kind of come to mind, but, uh, you know, but, but any other names of interest, you know, feel free to toss them out, but, you know, just just give us give us some guys that, that that we should look for. You know, and it's a great way to frame it, Ed, because you look at the Giants roster and you wonder, okay, you know, where do they attack in the draft? Where do they attack in free agency? Where are some of their, you know, v- more vulnerable spots? I think quickly you look at, you know, veteran help along the defensive interior. And so for me, one guy that would probably fit the bill would be a Toby Johnson from the New Jersey Generals who was outstanding all throughout the season, you know, getting pressure up front, not only in the run game um, and seeking and diagnosing and getting off the block and getting the tackle, but also in pressuring the quarterback. He got a lot of QB hits, a lot of sacks um, in terms of, you know, for defensive for interior defensive lineman. And because right now you look at the Giants too deep and there's, you know, yes, they have Justin Ellis, but they, they are really young on the defensive interior. You probably need someone of a veteran presence. And Toby Johnson has played, in the NFL, he's going to be closer to 30 years old. So that gives you someone that can step in right away, plug and play guy that you're looking for coming from a league like that. I would also throw out tight end. And one of the better tight ends, if not the best tight end in the USFL was from the New Orleans Breakers in Sal Canella. Now his issue when he was, he got the opportunity in the NFL was that he wasn't a blocker. Well, he worked on that with the Breakers. They had one of the best running attacks in the USFL, but his his hallmark was being a flex option at tight end. He was a, a vertical threat. He was Mr. Find the first down yardage uh, and get in front of the sticks, show himself and, and, and make the reception. He had a lot of big catches. A lot of times he was able to move the sticks. Uh, he scored multiple times uh, this season. He was essentially, he turned into their go-to guy in clutch situations. They started the season with Jonathan Adams Jr. from Arkansas State out there, receiver, they had Johnny Dixon from Ohio State. Uh, Sean Poindexter was another big-time wide receiver, but by the end of the season and into the playoffs, it was a Sal Canelo show, and teams couldn't cover him. So I see him as someone that could have an opportunity to give them another vertical option and threat at tight end. And probably to your point about secondary, I'm going to stay away from the secondary because I kind of like what they have. Uh, even though uh, Channing Stribling, led the league in interceptions with eight and he was a, he played off the ball, was able to drive on the football, turn the ball over multiple times, you know, but I, you know, he fits their MO, you know, he's a long linky 
corner, and we know that's their type right now in the secondary. But I would probably go inside backer. I was a big fan of Demarcus Gates um, from the Birmingham Stallions, who not only can pressure the quarterback um, from an edge rusher or defensive end, hand in the dirt guy, but, but as a blitzer, which will fit perfectly as an inside backer, shows an ability to drop in coverage, had a pick six, uh, as you saw in the uh, championship, I'm sorry, the, the playoff game, um, where he made an outstanding interception, got off the ground, and brought it back the other way. So for me, he was their big playmaker all throughout the season on that defense. And so those are some of the guys I see that could fill that depth role for the Giants, while a guy like Sal Canella could potentially give you, you know, uh, Mike Gesicki type at, at a tight end. Interesting. You know, when, when you talk about the tight end, that sounds like, you know, the Giants spent a lot of time this spring with guys flexed out, guys moving all around the formation. So guys that can do that kind of thing. And even the guys that they've signed, a couple of the free agents they signed, Ricky Seals-Jones, Jordan Aikens kind of fit that MO as well. Yeah, and exactly. And also we talk about Andre Miller, you know, converted guy from Maine, big time, big, big physical wide receiver, now transitioning to tight end. You also look at Austin Allen, even though he sort of was getting buried, um, you know, on the depth chart in terms of reps uh, during the back end of minicamp practices where he we asked about him um, when we talked to Brian Dayball. And he kind of like, yeah, he got in so many words, like, yeah, he got some work to do, but he provides you an option. He's six, eight, um, more of a receiver than he is a blocker. It's hard to show how well you can block in in OTAs and minicamps. But yeah, they, they clearly want to make sure they get the most out of that position, but also multiple options they want to get involved out that position. Um, just give me a couple of other USFL guys who, who may not, you know, may not fit with the Giants, but guys that you're reasonably confident will wind up on an NFL roster somewhere uh, come this fall. Two guys immediately just come to mind. Chris Odom, the defensive end, for the Houston Gamblers, uh, led the league in sacks. It was the defensive player of the year, and he was consistent too. Not only was he good, great at getting to the quarterback, he was excellent on special teams. He had four or five block kicks. So wow. that says a lot. That's going to be your way to get on the field right away. And he had a lot of opportunities in the NFL too, so they're used to him. They've seen him before. He was with Green Bay amongst some other teams. Uh, but he is someone that definitely can step in it and give you some special teams work but also give you a situational pass rusher as well. Um, and Kevontae Turpin, I know he had the off-the-field issues coming out of college, so he has played in, you know, the XFL. He played overseas in the European football, League of Football, uh, which is going on right now. Um, fantastic football, by the way. I've been watching every Saturday and Sunday morning, um, even though they're six hours ahead, so those games come on in like 9 a.m. Of time. course you've been watching him. Exactly. Of course. You got the Barcelona Dragons. You got the Frankfurt Galley. You got all kind of good stuff coming from that league. But he played over there. Then he was the overall MVP of the um, USFL this spring. You know, dynamic kickoff returner. You want the ball in his hands, and that's someone that can really help you out. Uh, if you need someone to make a play, he was always that guy for the New Jersey Generals. And if you're talking about bringing in some more backs, how about um, – Another Corbin, right? <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. um, the Corbin kid from, from Michigan, the Michigan Panthers uh, kid. Reggie Corbin, I think Reggie it is. Corbin. Yeah. Reggie Corbin. When I, when I, and I, you know, obviously I take the running back position seriously. 
And but when I watched him run, man, you just he had just a natural feel for finding open grass, making that first guy miss. He showed his ability to catch the ball in the backfield, has a great breakaway component to his game. Um, and it makes you wonder, man, like, why wasn't he in the NFL? Because I remember him having a good week of work at the East West Shrine Bowl um, a couple of years ago. And I know he had a cup of coffee in the CFL, but Corbin would be another guy that, if not for the Giants, definitely should find himself. I mean, hell, look at New Orleans. They don't know how long Alvin Kamara is going to be out. They have a, a vacated spot for another back that can operate um, well without volume, but also be a dual threat. That would be a good spot, too, for him. But, yeah, Corbin was someone that really stood out uh, significantly with, with the Michigan Panthers. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, and let's let's change gears just a little bit and let's let's talk a little bit about the Giants as uh, as we uh, get closer and closer to uh, to training camp. You saw just as much of the Giants in the spring as I did, pretty much. You were there quite a bit during during OTAs, during the mini camp, and and all of that. Just your thoughts on on what you saw from the from the new and and hopefully improved uh, Brian Dable led Giants this spring. Versatility and and, and flexibility, man, and and this. It's fascinating when you watch things live and you see how you see the the game plan, you see the form, the you know the formula, the, the format that they're going to use in in the fall. And it's we talked about one guy we kept talking about all throughout OTAs and rookie mini camps and regular mini camps was Jeremiah Hall. You know the undrafted fullback out of Oklahoma who can play H back, tight end, single back. You know, so when you see the multiplicity of the, the the options and getting guys on the move. We saw Wondell Robinson in the backfield. Uh, we, we're going to see some wide receivers in the run game when they get out there healthy. You talk about Kadarius Tony and such. So for me, I love the fact that they're going to get a lot of people to football. There's going to be a lot of moving parts and they have a lot of quickness and they're going to be a quick offense. They want to get the ball out of Daniel Jones hands quickly they want to be a, a quick cutting offense in the run game. So they have a bevy of quick hitters in Barkley and Breida, Corbin, and, you know, the, you know, Wondell Robinson can touch the ball as well. Um, so I like that from the offense and on defense. I mean, it's hard not to be excited about 
their potential in terms of being a pressure style defense. And what that means is they don't have an off switch in terms of turning on pressure. And that's from how they're going to crowd the line of scrimmage and crowd gaps, how they're going to be in your face out there on the perimeter, how they're going to attack the ball when it's in the air, uh, whether it's making a play on it or trying to, you know, turn the ball over. So being an attack style defense uh, from a philosophy and how they're going to pressure you, I'm excited to see how it's going to look in pass because, you know, if their offense can, again, the offense doesn't have to be top five, but one, Daniel Jones can't turn the ball over, can't lose possessions in that way. But if they just can't, I think if they can get to 20 to 24 points a game, the defense that they put together should be able to close out games better and faster than what we've seen before. So there's some excitement here, but again, a lot of it does fall on, how good can this offense be? But you like where this offense is heading based off what we've seen uh, here in the spring and summer due to the fact that they're moving a lot of guys around. Sure, I think, you know, I've looked at it the last two years, Em, and I think NFL average for points, which, which the Giants have been well under the last couple of years, NFL average for points falls right around 24 to 25. And I would think that, you know, that gives you, if you can get to that level, if you can get to that number, that gives you an opportunity to at least, you know, have have a chance to win, you know, most of your games. I'm not saying that you would win most of your games, but it makes you competitive. It gives you opportunities, gives you a chance to play at least 500 kind of football. And, And I, I, I have optimism, you know, that that if that the Giants can can get to that number, we'll have to see how it goes, I think. But uh, but I, you know, but I liked what I saw from the offense. It's very horizontal. It's very quick throw based. It's it's very spread based. We saw formations in the spring where, you know, pint sized one Dale Robinson was lined up inside of Daniel Bellinger. So, I mean, just, just interesting stuff, looking to create matchups. And, and, and I think all of that is, is a positive sign. My whole saying is you can't hit what you can't catch. You can't hurt what you can't touch. And if you could put these guys in positions to where you turn it into a freeze tag game with guys like Saquon Barkley, Wondell Robinson, those type guys, Kadarius Tony, we've seen him make multiple people miss. It's very tough and can be very frustrating for defense to where it then switches the focus to, okay, we got to rally up, make the tackle. But now you kind of leave yourself vulnerable for these bigger guys to get down the field and, and make plays one-on-one out in space, you know, like a Kenny Galladay or, you know, one of these tight ends that's, that's going to have their opportunities to make plays. Um, and and that's, that's exciting because you, if you know, you know, as a, as a football player, as a skill player, Man, if I just get my hands on the ball, I'm plus five regardless. I don't care what the situation is, um, but you just hope that when they do need number eight to make the play, he's able to make the play. You know, and again, it's not saying, you know, it's, it's, a com- it's almost like how you looked at Mr. Trubisky when he was in Chicago. And I'm not saying the Bears, I mean, the Giants defense is like the Bears defense was, but if we're being honest, you know, Trubisky did get the Bears to playoffs twice, um, but you still knew that he was kind of the liability. But as long as he played within himself, 
the Bears had a chance to win the games. I think that's all they're probably asking from Daniel Jones this season. Yeah, it, it, you know, one thing that I say when I look at it is, you know, for, for Giants fans, you know, who obviously haven't seen any of the practices that, that we've seen, I think the thing that Giants fans will see is that this team is sort of the antithesis of the the Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, Patrick Graham Giants. This, you know, where Patrick Graham was a conservative defensive coordinator who I liked very much. You know, Wink Martindale is a throw caution to the wind guy. And I think the, the offense is much different as well. So you're going to see a very, very different style from the Giants in 2022. It's more, I kind of hearken it to the type of offense we saw with Ben McAdoo, you know, where it was, hey, we're going to try to get the big play. But in this situation, this iteration of the offense, you don't have an Eli Manning, um, you know, that, that you feel confident of getting the football vertically down the field, even though he, at that time, you know, that was the, the, the knock on him, um, that he wasn't doing it consistently <clears throat> enough. But I feel like we saw more big plays then than we saw in recent years. And the hope is that adding these, you know, quick strike players that can make you miss, you can get more of that without having to go deeper down the field. All right. And last topic uh, for us to get into as we lead to, uh, to training camp, you touched on a couple names already, but, uh, but there's no one better for me to talk to about undrafted free agents and, and guys who, who have a shot at making the roster or at least making the practice squad. There's no one better for me to talk to than you. Um, and you touched on already. I know, well, let's start here. I know, you know, from the last time you and I talked, you're very, very high on Jay Sean Corbin, the running back. And I know Brian Dable was complimentary of him and, and he's got a shot at making this roster as a backup running back. But the, the other guy that you touched on earlier in our show is Jeremiah Hall at tight end. And he's a guy that, that I'm very interested in, um, you know, two years of fullback at Oklahoma, two years of tight end at Oklahoma. The Giants don't have a fullback on the roster. They list him as a fullback, but they used him all spring as a, as a tight end. I think he's got a a, a developed skill set, maybe that nobody else on the roster has right now. Just uh, thoughts on on Hall as we start talking about some of the UDFA's. Yeah, he was my number one fullback coming into the draft. Uh, so I was a big fan of his game. And, and for him, I think he has excellent hands and ability as a receiver. He's a legitimate threat in the passing game. Very savvy route runner. So you can trust him in this new offense that we're talking about because he understands how to get open versus man. He understands how to read zone coverage. And with the ball in his hands as a tailback, you know, he has the vision, the instincts, the, you know, feel for the run game. So it, it's it's hard to see him not have a role on the team when there's a clear role for him in this offense. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see how guys like him and Corbin do with pads on, because the one thing, even though it won't be live, like live, it's better than shorts and shirts in, in, in OTAs and minicamp. So guys like Hall and Corbin should be able to shine more so um, in, in, in regular practice situations than they have been uh, so far in flag football, essentially. 
Yeah, the running game is so difficult to learn anything about. Even, you know, even Brian Dable admitted in the spring that basically, you know, all the stuff that they've done so far is a glorified passing camp. This, but and, and even a lot of training camp is, is that way as well. So, I mean, the running back, running back is so hard to judge before you get to actual game competition. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious what you talk about a guy like Corbin. How does a guy like Corbin make an impression, you know, when, when he, when you really can't, you know, do a full running game and even in training camp, you got to make a play a day. And it's, it's, it's great as a skill player to do that. Um, you know how we've seen viral clips go from uh, what we watched at practice and saw the clip to the deep ball to Wondell Robinson, Dane Jones through how that made its rounds around uh, the interwebs. Um, mm-hmm. So it's great for a skill player to do it. So Corbin is going to have to have one play a day to where it's like, Jesus, man, you saw him make this guy miss. It could have been a five-yard game. But if he makes a guy miss or if he makes a big play in the passing game, um, then he's going to kind of get that public. Uh, he's going to become that fan favorite. And that kind of can help sway a guy's decision. Man, the fans really like him. We got to keep him around. We see him make a play. We just got to get him more acclimated. I think that's easy for, you know, on both ends, um, offense and defense, because I'm a big fan of Trenton Thompson out of San Diego State and uh, Darren Evans out of Nichols. Uh, Thompson is Thompson was my number six combo safety. His only issue, he's going to be 24, 25 years old. Um, so he's an older player, even though he's an undrafted rookie. But he's so good in terms of understanding what he's seeing out there defensively, kind of has that veteran presence, even though he's a rookie. Uh, Darren Evans, I told you this before, had he stayed at Nichols, probably would have gotten drafted as a big fish in a small pond. But he goes to LSU, teams up with Cardell Flott, was more of a reserve at LSU, but still had his opportunities. Um, He got the start in their bowl game against Kansas State and really played well, like the FCS All-American he was at Nichols. Um, So I'm and and guys like that can make plays in the passing game. You have a, a wow interception. You have a big turnover. Uh, we know those clips tend to go viral on social media. And I feel like those guys, because of the nature of the position, um, really have a chance to, to make their case, um, you know, to, to, to really stick. And so I'm excited to see how those uh, two defenders are able to, to play uh, once we get out there at the pass. And I'm always just excited to see the offensive linemen, um, Azudu and McKeithen, because I think they are two fantastic players. And I want to see how they block. Uh, with with pad zone as opposed to just understanding their assignments uh, without pad zone. Yeah, I want to get into those two guys a little bit in a minute, but I was I was interested that you mentioned Thompson because the guy who seemed to get more attention publicly as a, an undrafted safety um, this spring for for the Giants was uh, Yusef Corker. Uh, I'm, sounds to me like you are higher on Thompson though than you are on Corker. Corker to me is a little bit uh, stiff athletically and that affects his change of direction skills. You know, it takes him a little bit longer to make a move left to right. Uh, he's more of a strong safety in my opinion. So he's, he's someone that probably could be that weak inside linebacker in a nickel defense. You know, the better he is, is when he's going downhill. Um, he plays fast. So he, you know, if he's going to make a mistake, he's going to make it at hundred miles an hour. You, you like that about him. Um, and he's going to make the plays that are there to be made. Now, he won't make the spectacular play, 
Um, but he had he will not give up the the easy play. You know what I mean? So I feel like Thompson has a little bit more cachet to stay on the field um, and float between, you know, a, a strong safety, free safety, uh, an alley defender, a nickel defender, so to speak, in, in terms of in the slot, more so than corporate. So that's why I'm a little bit more higher on Thompson. And again, this is, I've said this before, there are certain players from certain programs, sight unseen. If we're talking about a San Diego City defensive line, a defensive backfield player, or a player from Utah, regardless of position, I'm sold. I don't, I don't have to see their tape. I already know what type of player they're going to be. And Thompson was a part of, again, another really good, strong Aztec defensive backfield. And they play a lot of guys in multiple spots at San Diego State, um, which is why they tend to be good players once they get into the league. You talk about Leon McFadden. You look at Darren Hall that's down there in Atlanta that's, that played really well last year as a rookie. We're talking about uh, Thompson here. So th- there's always some guys coming from that secondary um, because of how they play defense out there uh, that they get guys playing across the secondary, which helps their pro potential moving forward. All right, let's talk about the two North Carolina offensive linemen before I let you go. Um, Josh Azudu is a guy that the Giants drafted third round, um, got a lot of position flex, but played mostly left guard at North Carolina, pretty much thought that that he would be in competition with with Shane Lemieux, maybe maybe with Max Garcia for that left guard job. But we saw a lot of him at left tackle in the spring, mostly, I think, because of uh, of, you know, Andrew Thomas, you know, recovering from from ankle surgery. I mean, Josh Azudu's not going to be the Giants left tackle, but. I'm not sure how to take the fact that they used him so much at left tackle in the spring. I don't know if uh, I don't know if he's considered a you know in the competition for that left guard job with Shane Lemieux or not at this point. But just uh, just thoughts on Azudu and and maybe what he can do in 2022 and his future. Yeah, he was my number four guard, um, and he had played tackle at at North Carolina, so uh, he is not form for him to be out there on on island he more than held his own good flexibility and, and keep in mind what we talked about earlier and this is probably why they they were doing this um they want to be quick they want to be quick on offense and you know you want to have guys that are quick across the board up front and so maybe you get someone out there at tackle that can give you a little bit more uh if you want to run your inside outside zone he's able to you know, quickly climb to the next level and, and, and really get on those backers, get those guys blocked. He's very good on the move, which is why I thought at guard, he would be an ideal player and still could be that for the Giants, but they're cross training him to, to, to really get acclimated to tackle. He may be in line for a swing tackle role um, and also, you know, probably compete for a guard spot. So I feel like his ability, um, you know, in the run game kind of yields itself to him playing, uh, tackle in a pinch, but you want to make sure you have that opportunity to, to play uh, and get him back up to speed. So maybe he's still in play for the guard, but I, I do feel like he is a better guard than he is a tackle, but I can understand why, because they probably want to go quicker on the edges. And, you know, lastly, let's talk about McKethan, fifth round draft pick guy that didn't get much attention in the spring guy that, that people look at and, and, you know, sometimes go, you know, you know, why did the Giants draft this guy off a team that, you know, that, that, that didn't have a great offensive line? Uh, 
Um, you know, they signed Mark Glowinski to a three-year deal to play right guard. Um, you know, so it's, it's kind of what it's kind of like, you know, what did the giants see in this kid? And, and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm curious just for your thoughts on McKethan. And he's my number five guard. So I thought the giants clearly did well in that aspect. They, they saw the patience and polish that he has, and that's pretty huge for a guy that is huge at six, six, three forty-eight. So he can move, he can, he can play. He has great length, um, outstanding in the run game. You know, so he's going to get guys up out the paint. He can execute all the blocks flawlessly, reach combo, um, you know, twists and stunts does a really good job there. So they, they're looking at athleticism. They're looking at length. And to be honest, I, that's why I was shocked when I was going into grade these, you know, these prospects. And I heard a lot of people talk about the offensive line in North Carolina. And that's why Sam Howell didn't have success. And I'm watching the tape. I'm like, man, these two dudes. One, I, at first I saw these guys at the NFL PA game, and, uh, and I'm like, are, these are the guys that, that they, this guy is good. Then you go and watch the film, you're like, man, are, what problem up front are they talking about? Like, these two <laughs> guys can really play. Maybe it was Sam Howell and not these two linemen because these dudes can, can flat out ball. So uh, I'm excited that, they, they, that, they were, that the league saw it that way. Because I thought I, clearly I must be bugging out or tripping, but you know <laughs> these dudes can block, and I love the athleticism and the versatility. So uh, McKeithen is a true guard in every sense of the word, but they do get the the flexibility of that tackle position with Azudu. So I think Giants really upgraded their offensive line with those three picks, and them two and, and Evan Neal clearly. And your your evaluations and your opinions never never you know go against the grain of of nfl opinion does it <laughs> not one bit we all see <laughs> rock stuff there you go there you go M. thank you very very much as always for uh for for spending some of your some of your summer with us and you know for for delaying your four mile walk or whatever you whatever you had to do today but thank you very very much for for dropping some knowledge and uh hopefully we'll see you in a couple of weeks at training camp we're looking forward to it. It's always a pleasure. I do plan to get out there uh, much more this season. I don't know how my fall schedule kind of lines up. So I'm excited about it. All right, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Take care of each other. Stay safe out there. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd all mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.